Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. This time tomorrow, Southern Miss will be what? Sixth inning or so, seventh inning, approaching the end of their game with Samford, especially if the two pitchers are as good as they can be. That game might go pretty quick. Welcome in Sports Talk Mississippi. I'm Michael Borky. He's Brian Haydad. Richard's off today. He may be back Monday. He may not. We'll see. It depends on how things go over in Tuscaloosa. I don't know if he told you. Richard's going to be calling the regional in Tuscaloosa, and hey, you might want to watch that regional in Tuscaloosa because I'll, I'll I'll be I'll be calling it. Hey, you know what regional is going to be really interesting? That one in Tuscaloosa. You guys should check it out. If it gets high ratings, ESPN people are like, "Hey, this Richard Cross guy is a needle mover," and then this is the show. The, the the plugs worked apparently, but yeah, looking forward to yeah. the baseball. Ter- looking forward to watching Southern Miss in the baseball tournament. I'm a, I will be fully transparent. I'm not looking forward to the rest of it. it it's just you know we, we got a team in it. I'll watch them. We'll talk about it. Hope they win. But the rest of it, I ain't take it or leave it. <laughs> <laughs> we got the NBA finals starting am, tonight. We got I'm, hockey coming. In. You know, I'm good. We've talked about that, but with other sports, like as soon as the team I'm in for is out, I'm out. You know, Laker. The Lakers lost to the to the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals, four games to none. I didn't watch a minute of the Eastern Conference Finals the rest of the way. I will not watch a minute of the NBA Finals because I'm just you know once my team is out, I'm out. The only the only sport that I will log into. Regardless of anything else, is college football. Everything else, I got to have that rooting interest. See, I, I'm not that way. I watch NFL regardless. I watch college football regardless. I, I will watch the finals uh, tonight. Yeah, I watch the NFL passively. Like yeah. if it's it'll be on, and I'm kind of paying attention, but at the same time, I'm not really into it. This baseball tournament, not so much. I'll keep up yeah. with this score. I, you know, I'll probably end up pouring myself a glass tomorrow night and just putting a game on because. I'm a sports guy, and that's what I do. But locked in, outside of Plainsman Park, I I, I am not locked in. But I will be locked right. into Plainsman Park again. Southern Miss Sanford, one o'clock Definitely tomorrow. Definitely be keeping up there. Yeah, I have not seen the release on what Scott Berry has decided. Have you? I haven't seen it. If it's out have there, not, please no. forgive me. Um, I expect Tanner Hall. 
I, I think he's going to go in game yeah. one. Uh, but I have not seen that go official yet. We'll talk to Jason Baker here in about an hour from right now. He, If you're a Southern Miss fan, you know who he is. You've heard him call your games. We'll preview that regional and that game coming up tomorrow. We've got 100 teams in 100 days. We go to the Pac-12 for as long as it lasts uh, <laughs> for the next team in the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Richard brought it up the other day, but there's more reporting now that Colorado and the Big 12 are like way down the road. Like Colorado's going to join the Big 12. That, 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 that's going to happen. Rejoin. Rejoin, exactly. They're going to rejoin the Big 12. And you know what that means? Somebody else is too. Who is that somebody else? I haven't seen anybody ask that question. All this reporting about Colorado and Coach Prime, I haven't seen anybody say, well, the Big 12's not just taking one. So so who's the other? Right. Uh, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, not, not Colorado out of the Pac-12. Somebody else out of the Pac-12 who tried to join the SEC, by the way. We'll get to that later. Got a fun college football fix, I think. We're going to... Take the schedule for Ole Miss and Mississippi State and rank the games from easiest to most difficult, 14-1. to 1. All that and more coming up with you on the show. Of course, we want you to be a part of it. 601-879-4395 is the text line. 601-879-4395. We do get this message. It says Auburn is holding their ace. Okay. so uh, But look, man, Southern Miss can beat Auburn uh, with their number two. With Auburn's number one, they absolutely can. They certainly can. Uh, I imagine Scott Barry, if he does go with Tanner Hall, uh, is, I mean, that should inject some confidence into his pitching staff and his team, right? Uh, to where, I think, I, I yeah. think you guys can beat Auburn. I, why, why do I? Why do we need to mess anything up? Let's go run Tanner out when he's supposed to. We got to use him Monday. We got him for Monday. I don't know. There's there's pros and cons to each side of that uh, that debate. So. We'll talk to Jason more about that it's, later. It's the debate that every two seed has. Every two seed has that debate. Like, do we hold the ace to play the one seed, or do we do we have to just go forward with our best guy? And you know, sometimes you're a two seed and you're lucky enough that you're a good enough team that you can do that. And sometimes you don't have any choice. Southern, to me, is right there on the edge of good enough to not have to do it. Yeah. But I get why, you know, because it feels like it's just a sure thing with Tanner Hall. It's kind of funny. The same thing happened to Mississippi State uh, about a decade ago with, with them, and they were playing Samford in a regional. But they were the two seed, and the, the big choice was, do you hold Chris Stratton, who's the SEC Pitcher of the Year, to play Florida State? State did not hold Chris Stratton. And then they lost to Samford, and so it was a total disaster there. Yeah. And that's where you, that's that's the other risk you run is you have that total disaster nightmare scenario where you pitch Tanner Hall and don't win the first game, and then you're in the losers bracket, and it's just it's going to be a long road for you at that point. You should. Never, I don't think that's going to happen, but yeah. but that's the issue. You should never be shocked in sports, especially one like baseball. I think nah. though, if this time tomorrow were Tanner. Scott Barry chooses to throw Tanner Hall. And this time tomorrow we're talking about Southern Miss losing. I would be truly shocked. If he goes with Hall tomorrow and they lose, that will shock me. That might be a little strong. Yeah. But Southern Miss with Tanner Hall should not be losing or, or shouldn't lose to Samford. I, I would be very surprised shouldn't. at that result. Shouldn't. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think 
I mean, I'll just go ahead and tell you right now, I think Southern Miss is going to win this regional. You know, I like Auburn. I think they're playing really good baseball. But Southern Miss may have been the hottest team in, in college baseball for the last month and a half, two months. And then, you know, they carry that into their conference tournament. I feel like they're going to carry it into this weekend. Yeah. Get this message. Throw your ace. Win game one. Stay out of the loser's bracket. Mike in Oxford says, be careful with Sanford. They won all three games of a triple header last Saturday. Kind of feels like somebody needs to rework a conference tournament, by the way, if there's a scenario. And maybe weather was impacted. So, Mike, help me out. I've got to be fully transparent with you. I didn't keep up with the nuances of the Southern Conference Baseball Tournament last weekend. Please, please forgive me for that. Uh, Call yourself a professional. I know, right? Uh, after Furman eliminated their baseball program during COVID, you know, I'm just not as locked in. Uh, hand up on me. Yeah. But if that was just part of the regular goings on of the tournament, you got to make an adjustment. You can't ask a baseball team to play three times in a day. Can't do it. But they did. And yeah. Samford rose to the occasion. Actually, a, a beautiful little campus there in Birmingham, by the way. Samford's very, sm- very small, but it's nice. Like I, my buddy played at the Citadel, and I, when I was in college, I drove over to Birmingham because the Citadels in the Southern Conference played at Samford, and I was blown away actually at how it's very small, but how nice and. Um, Cookie cutter is not the right word, but it felt very collegiate. Like everything was just well groomed in big brick buildings and a really nice place. Um, Plainsman Park's not bad either, which is where uh, where the games are going on. Obviously, Southern Miss mm-hmm. fans going to travel well. I assume so. I would think so. I think there'd be a good a good representation of of, of USM fans there for sure. Andrew's asking how we feel uh, Tulane plays out. Think they get I beat twice and they go home. Queue. Yeah, <laughs> call call it a season. They're just happy to be there, man. I mean, they're they're just there for the uh, consolation prizes, turtle wax and rice aroni. Yeah, I mean, when they get eliminated, they could probably just wander the stadium and have a great time, though. Yeah. I, what, how do LSU fa- fans feel about Tulane? I, I've never known that. They, they do Hate really. Hate them. Yeah. Especially for baseball. Back in the, the the early 2000s when Tulane was really, really good, and I think they put LSU out of a, of a super regional, Skip Burtman's last year. I'd have to double check that. I think I think they I think they'd say right there that they retired Skip Burtman in Baton Rouge. They weren't happy about that. So no, that's an old rivalry that uh, that there's still a lot of bubbling under the surface there. Yeah, LSU. They don't like each other. As we say often, LSU is really lucky that. Tulane is not in the SEC because an SEC member Tulane in Uptown New Orleans would be a massive thorn in the side of LSU. Be interesting, yeah, yeah, for sure. Six year one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. Apparently, it was weather uh, that impacted that. Thirty minutes between games, three games in a row started at eight a.m. Ooh, that's when you start the third game, you're no longer having fun, are you? It can't be. It can't be. We got some more. It's not more news, but some clarity from SEC meetings and a bizarre reaction we're getting around the college football world. We'll give you the details next. Additional great reporting from friend of the program, Ross Dellinger. He's been earning his pay this week and then some. And then the reaction does not make sense to me. 
We'll talk about it all, give you the latest when we come back. in Sports Talk Mississippi on this hot but really nice Thursday. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. We get this message on the text line. It says, I heard on the radio today that Memphis is considering going to the Big 12. Uh... I'm going I'm to get all uh, technical and dive into semantics with you. Memphis would crawl over broken glass to join the Big 12. The Big 12 might be considering Memphis, but Memphis is not considering going to the Big 12. They are desperate to. And maybe that's what was actually said elsewhere, but uh, yeah, no, it's not Memphis is considering. Memphis is begging. It's possible that the Big 12 is considering. I suspect that they would have better options, at least initially. If Colorado was making the jump, I imagine Utah would also do that. Utah greater than Memphis. Arizona, Arizona State greater than Memphis. But yeah, Memphis would be desperate to to join the Big 12, as they should be. It's an upgrade. But anyway, I'm Michael Borky. He's Brian Haydad. Latest out of the SEC meetings, reading from Ross Dellinger again, because he just keeps churning out detailed good news from this event. He said, halfway through the spring meetings here at the Florida Gulf Coast, one thing is certain, the league will play nine conference games eventually. Two days into the four-day event at the Hilton, the conference leaders continue to work toward a temporary scheduling format that features eight games, at least for now. It's no real surprise in a story published Monday by himself, he doesn't mention himself, He's just flexing on the haters, I guess. Uh, that a short-term eight-game format starting in 2024 is under, serious, uh, under serious consideration. No one has confirmed that plan to him directly, but the signs are that that is the direction that they're going. Richard also said to you that you know some insight that he's got is that's the direction they're headed. Going to do eight while they work out the TV stuff. They're still trying to gather more information. So what more is needed? Greg Byrne, the AD at Alabama, said it's a combination. It's the playoff. What does it look like from a financial standpoint? There's your real answer, by the way. And what is the right balance to form a strength of schedule, or from a strength of schedule standpoint? The uncertainty uncertainty around the college football playoff is one of two primary reasons. The league may choose this short-term eight-game scheduling plan. The other, again, here it is, the additional revenue from ESPN, which isn't expected, at least not right now. So that's the latest. The SEC is going to stay at eight games with a one plus seven model for an, an extra year. It's They're going to nine. The SEC is going to nine. I've kind of changed my position on this, though. If I'm the SEC and I'm these SEC schools... And I have not been told specifically how much more money ESPN is going to give me to go to nine. I'm not going. You, st- I would stay at eight until I know. Because what they can do now is negotiate. They have leverage. 
ESPN is already locked into a contract with the SEC for a set amount of money for eight conference games. Why would the SEC decide to do more work effectively for the same pay? Could you imagine volunteering to your boss? Hey, boss, you know, I'm 8 to 5, right? And I make $50,000 a year. Well, hey, boss, I'm going to do 7 to 10. But no, I, I don't want any more money. You keep your money. But I'm going to work 7 to 10 instead. Just just for you. It's goofy negotiating. It's ridiculous. Imagine being a salesperson and saying that you're going to sell double your quota, but you still want your commission capped. The SEC sits in a perfect negotiating position. Why would they give up their leverage? It makes no sense at all to give up your leverage when ESPN will give them more money when they go to nine conference games. But that's not signed, sealed, and delivered yet. And so you've got people in our business, these media people that, I read a column yesterday that that called the league cowards for not going to nine. I I saw Tim Brando, for example, said that the the committee is going to remember that the SEC doesn't have nine conference games when they're deciding who makes the 12 seed. And it's like, do you guys hear yourselves? Number one... Eight games or nine games, it's still the best and most difficult league in America. I'm sorry, the difference between the SEC and the Big Ten is staggering. And just because the Big Ten has nine conference games doesn't make their league more difficult when that extra game is in Piscataway, New Jersey. Spare me. Give me a break. So the SEC is still going to get whoever they want in the playoff. They're still going to make the most money. They still have fans that care more than everybody else. They still live in the footprint that produces the most players, and they have negotiating power. And you want them to give all that up? Why? Because the Pac-12 has nine conference games? Because the Big 12 is not? Because the Big 10? Who made the Big 10 move to nine conference games? Who made them do that? Nobody. It's not the SEC's fault the Big 10 decided to go to nine conference games. It's not their fault at all. So you're asking or you're telling and calling them cowards for giving up their leverage because of your feelings? Bizarre. Doesn't make any sense to me at all. The SEC's in prime position to get more money for their schools. And if you're an Ole Miss fan and you're a Mississippi State fan listening to this, you want Zach Selman and Keith Carter to play hardball now because if they do, that means more money's coming. And while it's going to be equal to Alabama and LSU and each other, it'll be more than NC State and Clemson, and Florida State, and Oklahoma State, and and these programs that everybody in the Big Ten, you want to further separate, and you want your ADs to advocate for that. Stay at eight, and don't change it at all until you get more money. That is final. That's what they should do. The the, the SEC only plays eight games argument always bothers me because there is the Power 5 game requirement. They do play nine Power 5 games a year. They play somebody from the Pac-12, the Big Ten, the Big the Big 12, or the ACC. Everybody does it. Everybody in the conference is playing nine non-conference games. Looking ahead to like some future schedules, you got some scheme teams like Alabama. They'll be playing ten a year. Yeah, they've got they've got games scheduled out for it. So you know, does Mississippi State have a, a tougher game when they play Arizona, or if they were going to play as you said at Rutgers or at Northwestern? Well, I mean, what's the tougher game? It's Arizona. Yeah. 
So, yeah, that's that's one of the things that people point out or pick on about the SEC, and I never understand that. And I do. I love the fan reaction. I really do. And fans are irrational. You know, we know that. But all day I've seen, well, if the SEC moves forward with this, then the Big Ten needs to go back to eight immediately. Again, as if as if that's the difference. It's hilarious to me that that fans of Iowa, for example, think that the only thing separating Iowa and Alabama is the fact that they got to play one more Big Ten game, and not everything I mentioned before. Um, the the give a darn in this region of the country is unmeasured or, or unmatched by any other. It's it's down to that. There's more players here. There's more care here. And because of that, there's more money here. And you, you're not going to change that by playing an extra conference game or playing a one fewer conference game. It, mm-hmm. It's just never going to happen that way. The, if the, the bottom line is this. The SEC is like the president. It doesn't matter who you are, you hate them. You know, And the people who support them will do it almost blindly. But if you're outside of that, you know, if you're a Democrat and the president is a Republican, if the Republican president and Democrat, you hate him. Oh, what do you do? I hate him. Yeah. The SEC is the same way. Eight games? I hate them. Nine games? I hate them. It doesn't matter. There's no winning. You just got to do what's best for you, whatever makes your conference the most money. Yeah. And it's going to go – and it's almost like these people don't pay attention to the reporting. I have not seen a single report on this that said that this vote is permanent. Not one. It's one additional year of eight games. Instead of it going to nine in 2024, it's going to be eight in 2024 and nine in 2025. Ross Dellinger is a premier newsbreaker in college football on one of the biggest brands in sports media. That's his platform. And it's like when he reports stuff, people react to it without reading it. He's telling you, they're going to nine. Guys, relax. They're, they're going to nine, just not right away. They're going to give it a year so they can get more money. And it's like nobody, re- they, they react to it, but they don't read it. I'm telling you, the, the, the column that called the SEC cowards was so funny to me. It's like, okay. You media person, who I like actually, so I'm not going to call him out by name, but next time your boss asks you to create more content, don't you dare ask for more money. Don't do it. Never ask for a pay raise again, even if you're doing more work or your work is viewed or seen by by more people. It's like we want everybody else to act in ways that we don't. Very bizarre. The SEC is going to stay at 8 in 2024. They're going to go to 9 in 2025. It's fine. The reaction, though? Bizarre. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll read some of your texts when we come back. is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly.
add to this conversation, hey, Dad, before we start reading some messages? I mean, you know, I still think that there's a there's a divide between what's best for the conference and what's best for certain schools in the conference. Yeah. You know, and I feel like it's the, the with the John Nash from A Beautiful Mind where it's like you got to do what's best for the group and the individual at the same time. And certainly the ability to, you know, make more money is be, is beneficial beneficial for the universities, but there are going to be some now that, you know, that are going to struggle in some years depending on who or how their schedule looks because they're going to be playing nine, you know, they they could end up playing seven or, or six or seven really tough games. And then if the conference keeps the Power 5 requirement and you got to play that 10th that Power 5 game, you might get stuck there too. So we'll see how it pans out for everybody. But uh, it's obvious it's obvious which way everything's going to end up going. Yeah. Yeah, it uh, it is. Jason asks, what happens to the Arizona teams if they don't go to the Big 12 and the Pac-12 doesn't get squared away? Uh, it's a good question. Um. Conference realignment this time is going to see a league fold, I think. Yeah, it, you're right. You won't be able to call it a Power Five anymore. I mean, no. The Pac-12 is on. The, it's going to be the Pac-12. Let's just be honest about it. Yeah, uh, because the I think the ACC is with their with the way they've structured those grant of rights. I don't think people can get out of them. No, for a few years. So, so as much as some schools would like to leave, it's just not going to be financially feasible to do so. But the Pac-12 is on the verge. When Colorado leaves, and then you know you're already losing UCLA and USC, it's not going to be long before Arizona. It's going to be Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon, Washington, Utah will all have homes, and then Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, Cal. They're going to be the ones sort of left out to dry. Yeah. Jeffs is playing the Rutgers Scarlet Knights is like playing a decent slash good group of five team. The atmosphere mm-hmm. also. Uh, Texter earlier asked uh, what they're going to do when it comes to divisions. Are, are they going to move Auburn to the east? Divisions are gone. Blowing them up. No more divisions. And, and that's going to serve two purposes. They're blowing up divisions so you play everybody in the conference more often. When they go to nine games, you're going to play... Every team in the SEC at least twice in a four-year period. One at home, one on the road. That'll happen in 2025. The other thing that they want to avoid is having a quote-unquote bad team win the conference and remove their opportunity to to be a top-four seed, to get a bye in the playoff or make the playoff at all. They don't want a Missouri of 2013 winning that game because that would screw up the playoff. So they are just going to play the games, and then the two best teams, record-wise, are going to play in the conference championship. You already have that in the Big 12. Works fine. They do that in other sports. It works fine. They will rarely have to use tiebreakers, but those will be very clearly defined. Two best records will play in the SEC championship moving forward. Divisions after this year, regardless of what happens in Destin, are gone. They are just simply, they are gone. Another message, other conferences want the SEC to fill their schedules with SEC games so other conferences don't have to play SEC opponents. Or or knock themselves down a peg, too, I guess. But again, I go back to, who made you do it? 
I, I saw so much of that today. Well, if the Big Ten plays nine, the SEC should. Who made the Big Ten go to nine? Who made them? Nobody made them. They chose that. So you, you can't make a decision yourself and then point the finger at somebody else for not making the same decision you did if you regret that decision. The, the whole discourse around this is bizarre. Get this message. How do we fix RPI? This is a baseball message. Increase the points for a win, decrease the points for a loss, even to a great opponent. Kentucky, Kentucky with the number two RPI when they were only 16 and 14 in conference play is ridiculous. Any loss has to hurt more, even versus a really good opponent. My question would be why? Why? Winning has to be rewarded more than it is under the current model. But especially in baseball, there is but. such a discrepancy between the SEC and other leagues that get automatic bids, right? T- take the Sunbelt out of it for a mm-hmm. second. Sunbelt's a better league. It's not the SEC. But it is a better league than, say, that of the Southern Conference. If somebody mm-hmm. goes undefeated in Southern Conference play, is that really more impressive than winning 18 SEC games? No. The, the competition level is so different that... 16 and 14 in the SEC is more impressive than 20 and 10, yes, even in the Sun Belt. It is. Also, you have to take into account Kentucky swept Indiana State. So that's three, uh, what is that, top 10 wins? Indiana State's, what is their RPI? They're ninth, yeah. So that's three top 10 wins for them. Right there. They also beat Indiana this year, who was a top 30 RPI team. I mean, so all 16 of their their SEC wins aren't top 50 wins, because I know they swept Mississippi State in there. Although State was close to the top 50 by the by the end of the season. But actually, State finished 51. So, I mean, you're just, just missed. Just missed having three. Yeah. But, I mean, Kentucky has how many top... Uh, they're eight. They have eighteen, eighteen cute quad one wins, eighteen, and they missed having twenty one by state on one point. And Kentucky's a good team. Don't, there's don't, don't don't try to take away from them. They're they're a good good enough baseball team. And I mean, Indiana State found a way to get an RPI. What it was. Hmm. I I think it's more complex than just. Winning should matter more when there's just such an imbalance in the difficulty of those wins. Back to football. Question from Andrew. How many years before Colorado is relevant slash in the playoff picture? That's a good question. I mean, in the playoff picture is about to change, right? Because, I mean, it's going to reach a point where a 9-3 and team if they have the right wins and losses, can can be in the playoff picture as a 12 seed or an 11 seed. Yeah. But for Colorado, I mean, they they won one game last year. So and they and they complete when they talk about overhauling a roster, it's it's complete. So this year isn't going to be there. I mean, it's going to be a four or five year process probably for them. I mean, I would think in year three under under Dion, they're probably back in a bowl game, and then in year five maybe they can challenge. But I mean. In this day and age of college football, you, you just, it's not like, you know, okay, we have this great freshman class incoming, and we know in four years they're going to be monsters, right? Because 
You never know who's going to stay three, four years. You don't know that anymore. So it's difficult to say something like that. If he keeps turning the roster over like he is, which I don't think he will, but if he does, then there's no shot. That's too much. There's Mm -hmm. roster turnover, and then there's roster flipping. And he flipped it. That that can work in basketball because it's, you know, six guys that you really need. When it's 70 guys, it's a little bit different. But what's lost in all of the transfer portal stuff and and all that, his staff is really good. Like, really, really good. Accomplished. Not guys that, you know, are up-and-comers. Guys that are proven, that have done it, that you know have done what they're doing at Colorado elsewhere and done it successfully. It's not talked about enough. I, I know because Dion kind of steals the show. He's primetime for a reason, and everybody wants to talk about the transfer portal and then primetime. But do yourself a favor and, and, and look into his staff. That's a staff that, if it was at Ole Miss or Mississippi State, you'd be pretty jazzed up about. At least I think you would. You you should be. If that exact staff was placed here, I would say the same thing. That's a good. That's a winning staff. You can win with that. So... We'll see. Uh, I mean, does Florida State come open eventually? And uh, does he want to go there? Does the move to the Big 12 keep him around it? That's an interesting place. Boulder, Colorado, apparently, is a phenomenal place to live. And it looks like he's got full buy-in. But it is it enough to make Colorado into what he expects? We'll see. Interesting question, though. Another message, Big Ten stands would not say that they are uh, betas for not playing a 10-game conference schedule in 2020. I hear you. Jeff says the SEC is like Major League Baseball and the rest of the conferences are like double and triple A. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the ACC is a really good baseball conference. They had, they had some good teams this year. Um, the Big 12 is good. But they don't have the top-to-bottom depth that the the SEC has. No. More of your messages when we come back. This is uh, just talking college football, a little baseball mixed in. Southern Miss starts tomorrow. We'll talk to Jason Baker here in about oh, 15 minutes from right now to preview that game upcoming with uh, Samford and the regional itself. So stick around for that, and we'll get to more of your messages talking football when we come back. Right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling on Super Talk Mississippi. Bubba in Starkville feeling himself a little bit on this Thursday. Got a, got a message out there. He says, Southern Miss should have hosted, but I'm glad they didn't. He put in quotes, redheaded stepchild. John Cohen said, forget you, USM. You're not in the SEC. You don't matter, was his message. The stage is set to ram his regional up his, well, you know. And then he says, go Eagles. There you go. I don't. I don't, no, no punches pulled there. 
you know, Southern Miss fans will disagree with this. I, I don't think the gripe should be with the SEC. I think it should be with Indiana State. Their RPI, if you want to look at the resumes and stuff, doesn't make sense compared to Southern Misses. Right. The amount of games they played against the worst teams is greater. That that would be where my gripe is. Is why is it Indiana State instead of Campbell or Southern Miss? And that answer, honestly, is just the RPI. That that's the answer. Southern Miss's RPI is, is where it is, and that that's the committee always uses that as a crutch. Always. Yeah. Like. Indiana State had that big win over Vanderbilt. That's a good win for them. But like when you look at their schedule, by and large, I mean, they like I just mentioned a second ago, they were swept by Kentucky. They played Miami and lost to them. Uh, they lost. Uh, they were swept uh, by Northeastern. Uh, they they lost. They were swept by Michigan State. They lost to Indiana. Like I don't quite understand. You know, I'd have to look deeper, I guess, but like on the surface, Indiana State's RPI doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Well, you know. Do I? I don't think I do. I don't know. I don't know. It's the problem. Um, it, it is a shame, though, it, because what, what's weird is that the, the narrative was, well, they were just one win away. Or, or was it the loss in the Sunbelt Tournament a tournament in which they won, what did them in? You know what I mean? I think what hurt I think what hurt USM the most was Coastal Carolina getting knocked out. If 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 USM could have played them and beaten them, that might have been a, a enough yeah. to, to bump them up to where they wanted to be. It would that, but that's something though USM can't control that. Right. They can only play who they play. You know, it's it's not their fault that somebody else got knocked out of the tournament and put in that and they were put in that situation. And it, it's not like the Sun Belt's a bad league by any stretch. It's right. Good it's a good one. league. It's the number five RPI league. Yeah, the number five RPI league. The team that finished second in the regular season and won the tournament. Anyway, it would have been a madhouse down there this weekend, and uh, it's a shame that yeah. it's not. But I mean, you heard Kendall yesterday. He thinks they're going to come out of it. So the Miss fans are supremely yeah. confident that they're going to come out of it, and for good reason. They should be there. They've been playing great baseball for two months. They've been the hottest team in the country. Why would they not believe in themselves? Jason, I'm going to read this, and you know what you're doing. So, oh, no. you, Jason, you know what you're doing, because I know you're on social media, and I know you see it. So, this is Jason on the text line. Okay? This is Jason. I'm reading Jason's message, because I like to read as many messages as I can and Jason is a fantastic person. But he is doing this on purpose. Here's the message. Southern Miss should have beaten more than one of the six Power 5 teams they played this year. Oh, Jason. That was Jason. That was not me. That was Jason. I'll just go ahead and tell you that saying it's you and not it's not you and it's somebody else doesn't, doesn't get you out of trouble with USM fans these days. So just... Be aware of that. Um, but the truth of the matter is, they, if they had beaten a terrible state team, a terrible Ole Miss team, you know, when they played Alabama, Alabama was just coming off of losing two out of three to that terrible Mississippi State team. 
One of those wins, yeah, is probably the difference. No question. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. Richard took off again. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he uh, he did, Dwayne. But you get more. Hey, Dad, and I know that you, of all people, Dwayne, appreciate getting more. Hey, Dad, and I know you watch on the stream too, and so you're really getting more. Hey, Dad, the, the picture is like two yeah, times the, larger. The picture is bigger. Yeah. You are not bigger. The picture's bigger. I need, I need to get this. I need to get a second job, I guess, so I can just take off whenever I want. Like, oh, I got to work the other job today. So you know, I need, I need, I need that in my contract. I guess is like, I, I got a job at Home Depot. They're they're understaffed. I got to go sell some uh, some Japanese toilets today. Maybe some wallpaper. Yeah. Bed Bath and Beyond. I don't I got know. A job at Bed Bath and Beyond. I don't know. I don't know if I'll have time. <laughs> Oh man! Like ten of you got that, and that's okay. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. More than ten. Borky. More than ten. He's Brian Haydad. We're gonna talk to Jason Baker next. He calls Southern Miss games. Uh, if you have watched them, you've heard him, and you're gonna watch slash hear him here as well. We'll preview the regional, talk all things Southern Miss, getting ready for that one o'clock first pitch tomorrow on the plains in Auburn at the house that John Cohen. Moved into recently. Rents. Rents. We'll be right back. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Michael Borkey's Brian Hayden at 4 o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi. We get this message on the text line to preempt our next guest. He said, I'm sure you all have covered this, but how awesome would it be for Southern Miss to win national championship three teams in a row from Mississippi? Jason Baker joins us right now. If you watch Southern Miss games, you've heard him, and you see him right now on the stream at supertalk.fm or supertalk TV and also on your radio across the state. Jason, what's up? Yeah, that here, here's a dumb question. How cool would that be? And it, uh, boy, wouldn't it be a storyline uh, of all storylines for history sort of to repeat itself. Of course, the story's been well documented, the 09 run when Corky Palmer decided to retire. And, of course, now you got the news of Scott Berry retiring. And then, man, just to even think about that possibility. And, of course, right now they're, they're one of, what, 64 teams yeah. uh, with at least a small fractional chance uh, of that happening. So let's start here with the regional draw. When you first – one, when you first learned that there was not going to be a regional in Hattiesburg, what were your thoughts? And then two, when you saw the draw, what were your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts originally with no host, Borky, to be honest with you, wasn't very shocking. Um, I sort of thought like, hey, when you started seeing the teams that they were selecting, it was very obvious that committee just looked at RPI and said, this is the determining factor that we're going to use. And, you know, I think there's been one team outside of the top 20 that has gotten a host in years past in terms of RPI ranking. I don't recall which team that is, but Southern Miss was sitting there around 23, 24 on Sunday ahead of the championship, and I thought maybe – 
they could bump to 20, maybe to 19 in the last segment. I think Haydad hit it. I think if they played and were able to beat Coastal on that Sunday, then you would have looked at a head-to-head against Coastal of two wins, two losses versus, you know, right now it's still two wins and one loss in terms of Coastal versus Southern Miss this season. So it didn't shock me um, that the host didn't come to Hattiesburg. And then when I look at the regional, you know, I think of all the SEC teams that you could have been placed amongst. Um, if I'm honest, Auburn's the one that I would have I would have chosen. I think Alabama's playing a higher caliber of baseball right now, which is sort of the other regional that I, I thought you would have matched up with. And um, if you're just making me choose between Alabama and Auburn, then hey, let's let's go to Auburn. When you look at this Southern Miss team, you know, top to bottom, they've played incredible baseball for the, for the last two months, and it's one of those things where you know you want to be playing your best baseball at the end. They started playing it really, really early. Do they have another week, two weeks in them of playing at this level? I think, I think so, Brian. Like, I think, you know, the key to that to me is literally like, you're only as good as the next day starting pitcher, right? So like, I mean, you know, if this hot streak and, and, you know, playing well is going to continue, it's going to continue tomorrow with Tanner Hall on the bump and then the baseball gets passed to, you know, let's say it's Billy Oldham on Saturday, then, you know, and Billy Oldham's going to pass it to Will Armistead. That's sort of how I view it. Yes, they've played at the high level. Um, you're right over the last month, but there's still some things and some makeups in their game that I think could be even better. I thought they played better defense in the first half of the year than they have in the second half of the year. I think defense will be one of those critical components that doesn't always get brought up. Um, Southern Miss, this has been a better fielding team than of years past during Scott Berry's tenure. But I still think they can take a step forward. I think they're really, really talented in certain spots, and those spots have to play well. And I think some of that starts behind the dish with Blake Johnson and Rodrigo Montenegro. We'll give you the big question that we've been asking. We asked it to Scott Barry. We've been talking about it here on the show. If I gave you the lineup card, what are we doing on the mound in game one? Man, if so I'll answer this in a personal opinion kind of way. I would probably roll the dice and try to hold Tanner Hall if I'm honest. What do I think Scott Berry is going to do? Tanner Hall is grabbing that baseball tomorrow because that's what history has shown that Scott Berry has done in the years past. And, you know, I think that's the safe bet. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Like you don't want to disrespect your opponent because really and truly, like, let's let's just be honest. I don't know that you win a regional without winning the first game. I I just think it's so vital to set yourself up into that winner's bracket on Saturday afternoon, let alone it doesn't make you have to play early in in a loser's bracket game. I just, man, it just really sets you up to get you some rest and just kind of play on like your normal weekend schedule. So I think Scott Berry will give the baseball to Tanner Hall. If it was me, just knowing, I guess, who possibly the next opponent could be, Man, I, I'm not so sure, Brian, I wouldn't roll the dice and, and, and certainly try it. Evans knows he would be the best pitcher on the I think he's going to be the best pitcher on the mound all weekend, in my opinion. It's Tanner Hall. Yeah, so for sure. Could you roll the dice? Could you roll the dice and let him be on game two? It's a roll of the dice because you would, boy, you would be awfully disrespecting Sanford if you did that, in my opinion. So uh, let's pretend that he does pitch tomorrow. Uh, one o'clock, by the way. We haven't gotten the announcement yet. I, I wonder if uh, if Coach Barry's kind of playing his cards a little bit over at South Carolina. Um, oh, gosh, his name's escaping me. The coach at South Carolina, anyway, today said that uh, 
whoever pitches tomorrow will be somebody on my current roster. So maybe Scott Barry's just going with that. Hey, somebody will pitch tomorrow. You'll have to see. But uh, let's pretend that he does go and they do win. Auburn, at least as we understand it, is holding their ace for game two. What would be the best uh, counterpunch from Southern Miss in that situation? Yeah, I don't think what – I, what I will say this, I don't think you're going to see a shuffling of the cards of the rotation that I'm aware of. Um, I think it's Billy Oldham, um, who's been really good at times. I know maybe not of late has he been just quite as sharp. But when he's good, he's really, really good. Look, he's carried a couple of perfect games, five innings and beyond. I mean, really and truly – if you can, let's say Tanner Hall puts you in that winner's bracket for game two uh, in this regional and you hand the baseball to Billy Odom, at that point, I think really what you're asking Billy to do is get you five innings and then you can get him out of there. And he's proven over the course of the season that he can do that. And to me, I don't, I don't want to see a shuffling of the cards. I know there's some thoughts like, hey, maybe give the baseball to Will Armistead because he's a hot arm right now. But I think he's relished the long relief role, so is Nico Mazza. And frankly, like to me, this is a regional that sort of screams like it could be headed for a Monday kind of finish. And I I just think you you have some pieces on the back end that you could utilize on that Monday. And, you know, you just take it one game at a time. I, I don't really like the shuffling of the cards of the rotation because they've been that way for three months now. Why change now? Yeah, we haven't really talked about it in, in any way, but you know, we're coming on to the end of a, of a legendary career for Scott Barry, one way or the other. Uh, you know, hopefully it ends up in Omaha, but if it doesn't, if it ends this weekend, it ends this weekend. When you talk to players, how much of that, hey, we want to win for Scott, is there from them? I think it's there when they're asked. I think you know, it's there when you know, poked and prodded to get out of them. You guys know this, and y'all have watched so much sports and covered so many sports to know it's it can't be this way when the baseball's rolled out there that, you know, a Carson Pato stepping in the box thinking, oh, this may be Scott Berry's last at-bat. If so, my opinion, this will be a very short regional stay for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. It, it almost has to be, you know, in your mind at the hotel, in your mind maybe, you know, when you're laying around the dugout and just, you know, chatting up different people. But at the end of the day, like, hey, man, there's still 27 outs to get, and we've got to score one more run than the end. And, and if I'm honest, you know, Scott Berry's not going to take a single swing and, and a single pitch to do that. And so I think it's, you know, yes, it's there, and yes, they're going to get asked about it. And uh, certainly, hey, Dad, it, it, there's a moment where it is going to end, and, and they'll be even more asked about that, and, uh, obviously for obvious reasons, but I don't think it's like in their mind. It's not their rallying cry. Their rallying cry is to get to Omaha and, and to compete for a national championship. Sure, it just so happens it's, it's going to be on a, you know, hopefully a historical run, you know, for the end for Scott Berry. And this is an experienced team too, right? I mean, aside from, from that, and that's a big deal, don't get me wrong, Scott Berry retiring is a very big deal. That aside... It's not like these guys haven't seen the exact thing that they are walking into this weekend. This is not new territory for this extremely experienced baseball team. Oh, I completely agree. And if if I'm honest, I think the probably a bigger factor, maybe more than the rallying cry of Scott Berry retiring, the bigger 
thing to me to hang your hats on is that they get to harken back to experience of winning a regional, albeit last year in their park. But look, they knocked off one of the pillars in college baseball and LSU. And look, it was guys that were in that lineup doing it. Chris Sargent, Blake Johnson, Danny Lynch, Tanner Hall pitched on that Monday. You know, it's guys back on that back end as well that got some experience. Nico Mazza pitched in the Super Regional against Ole Miss. I think, to me, that is a much greater factor in this weekend against Auburn than the rallying cry of Scott Berry. Not that that doesn't, like you said, Borg, not that that's not a big story, not that that doesn't mean something in a lot, because certainly there's going to come an end, whether it's an end with a win or it's an end with a loss. That'll be determined. But at, at the end of the day, to me, the, the bigger experience factor is, hey, you got a two-seed in your regional that won a regional a year ago, you know, against LSU, a really quality Army and Kennesaw State team. I thought it was one of the tougher regionals a year ago, and that team was able to come out of it and then, of course, you know, go on against, you know, the eventual national champions in that Super Regional. As Jason Baker broadcasts other Miss Sports. Uh, you've heard him. You've seen him. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. Hey, Haydad, why don't you ever see an elephant hiding in a tree? They're really good at it. Because they're really good at it. (laughs) You trying to sneak a dad joke past me? Come on. Yeah. 601-879-4395. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, Scott Berry going out. There, there was a finale of a TV show last night involving a coach, and that's all, that's about all I can say because I don't want to spoil it. Ted Lasso, anyway, yeah, ended last night, so I got to be careful. Or did, was it Tuesday? I think it was last night. Either way, Ted Lasso's over. It's done, and it was really, really good. The start of the season was terrible. Like the show lost all of its magic, and they found it again. And the finale was very good. Tied, left enough up to your imagination with some inferences and tied up enough loose ends to where it was really enjoyable. And I can't say what I want to say because I don't want to spoil the show. Yeah, I mean, just, just, just maybe just let this one go. Yeah, for a we'll while. let this one go because I, I wanted to compare. I wanted to compare some things, and now I can't because I don't want to spoil it. But anyway, we just hope Southern Miss wins. How about that? I hope they, we hope they win. I want to keep the baseball conversation going for a while. If you have not started that show and you're an Ole Miss and State fan listening to this looking for one, that's a good place to start. It was a beer commercial, right, that that inspired the show? No, it was something NBC did where they NBC, set him up as... Was. It was just like a little skit where he was the head coach of Tottenham Hotspur. Which was one of my favorite moments where Beard is like showing him flashcards of all the other teams in England and they're playing word association. And he gets to Arsenal and he's like, uh, he's like, 
longtime power, and they're longtime power. They're always going to be there. And Ted goes, New York Giants, and he goes, yes, and we're they're our biggest rival. And so Ted, and then Ted goes, that makes us the Jets. <laughs> I'm the coach of the bleeping Jets. <laughs> God, that makes me laugh every time. <laughs> uh, have you watched Ted Lasso? I have not, which is crazy considering that I'm big, the biggest soccer fan on the show, but I, I have not. So if you don't know what we're talking about, and again, if you're an Ole Miss and State fan looking for things to watch this weekend, start there. It is a show with a, a similar base concept as Major League. A European soccer team is taken over by the angry, now ex-wife of a very wealthy man who cheated on her for somebody younger. And she knows that the only thing that he loves is his soccer team, and she won it in the divorce, and so she tries to sabotage it, and she hires an American football coach to come coach soccer. And it's it's just, they're 30-minute episodes, the last season was longer, and it's just very it's like the the drama is not like inflated and ridiculous it's all fe- it, like you feel good when you watch it you know it it's got all a very positive vibe and just kind of feels good and it's an american football coach trying to learn how to coach soccer in europe and it's really funny and jason Sudeikis is good and it's all acted really well and yeah check it out cuz you don't have anything better to do this weekend no offense it's, it's true. It's a true story. What are we going to do? What, what are we going to do? Because usually, most of the time, we have three teams this time of year. At yeah. worst, two. Now, now, we're, now we're down to one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when we're not talking about Southern Miss baseball, what the heck are we going to do for the next couple of weeks? <laughs> I mean, I've been doing college football podcasts for two months now. Man, I just found a way. Life, uh, you know. Finds a way. Yeah, and it will yeah. be fine. Yeah. We talked schedules yesterday. Yeah, we got plenty to talk about. Got a uh, a DM, by the way, from somebody thanking us for saying what needed to be said about Ole Miss starting the season opener at 1 o'clock. Apparently that message resonated, well, at least this guy. Yeah. And when Richard does his interview, which let me, let me put some... That won't be live and won't be at our table because Kiffin can't be bothered to come sit with us. He'll ask him about that. Every other coach, Zach Arnett will come sit with us. But yeah. I think we're going to get. I think we're going to get a non-Mississippi head coach this year. I feel. I feel confident. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I know who it's going to be too. Oh, you already oh, got you, one. You, are, Oh, oh, I've got, I got, I got my my my, my plan. Yeah, because us being there, all we would have gotten this guy last year, but we let but leaving early. Oh. They were on the last day, but you know, I know Bill Martin at Tennessee. Yeah, okay, that's not the one that I've I'm been try, working I'm, on. You've been working on Clark Lee. Oh, I think that. I'm not even talking about him either. I, that that was oh, like done. Who are, you, who are you working on? I'm, I'm working on. on I'm gonna get, try to get Heupel. Beamer will probably come. I think so. He seems like he. I want to relive my like. So you're not going to remember this, but you and I, we were at a bar in Nashville in 2004 at about two in the morning. Wait, what? So his first year, you and Jim Beamer were at a bar, like Mm -hmm. 
have I heard? I haven't heard this story before. Have you told? I don't this story know. Before I, I went up, I went up to Nashville. State was playing Vanderbilt. It was Croom's first year, and Beamer was on the staff. And I was at this bar. Beamer walks in. I'm wearing an MSU polo, so he says hello, and we start we start having a conversation. And that's when I'm just like, "Yeah, I followed your dad teams for a long time. You know, I remember when Maurice DeShazo was there and Chiron Stith, and he was just his jaw dropped. He was just like, "How do you know these guys' names?" I was like. I love college football. Your dad's teams are fun to watch. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I, I, I've, I've watched a lot of Virginia Tech games. So we talked college football for a while. I'll never forget, he was listing off all these recruits he was sure State was going to get. State didn't get any of them. One of them was Nagama Kutsu. Yeah? Yeah. He visited State. He had a sister running track here. And uh, there was a lot of buzz that he might end up at State. Of course he didn't, so... Man, we we need to write a book on the almost Cam. Oh, Newton. the almost Cam Dave Newton Doran. is definitely one. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, Jim Schlossnagel, Bo Scarborough. Mm, that's a good one for Ole Miss. Chris Jones for Ole Miss. Chris Jones. Yeah. Davin uh, Godshow, who, who showed up to the signing day ceremony yeah. wearing red and blue, and then it got delayed, and somehow, some way, I said things happen. You know, the message changed. Uh, Ryan Paralu from Mississippi State would be a good one. Who played quarterback instead of what would have been Ryan Paralu? Michael Henning. I wonder what Ryan Paralu is doing now. Because he bounced advice. around a little Let's bit, see. right? Was he like... Uh... Well, he went to LSU, and yeah. then he got kicked off the team there. Let's see, Ryan Paraloo. Let's see what if we can find him. Maybe he's on Facebook. Well, he's on Wikipedia. Uh, he went to Jacksonville State after oh, okay. LSU. All right, that makes sense. Then he played uh, in the pros. He was in the uh, the French Professional League. Uh, and then that's, that's the end of it. There's no personal okay. life or anything for him here. There's a, a Grisham book, right, about the uh, Italian league. It's called Playing for Pizza. I believe that's correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I read that. My parents made me read that when I was in high school because I didn't read yeah. enough. And I said, I'll read, but it's got to be sports. And so my, my dad got me yeah. a Grisham book because he really liked Grisham, the, all the legal stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I read that. Yeah, that's a good one. This is a good book. A lot of foot baseball ones. If guys who went to the draft, I mean, State would have had Roy Oswald and Austin Riley. Whatever Austin Riley would have that, that, by the way, the whole thing. pitching coach thing. He doesn't have. He doesn't have a, a college degree. He doesn't. He can't. He can't do it legally. He can't do it. Also, for basketball, it'd be good for State because you're talking about Monte Ellis, Travis Outlaw, and Jonathan Bender, all top. You know, all good NBA players. Another one, Monte Ellis, Austin Riley. Austin Riley would have been on the 2016 team that lost to Arizona State in the uh, Super Regionals. I think they imagine another bat on that team. That team was already really good. Not just another just bat in the country. That yeah, a, a guy who's a yeah that bat. Oh yeah. man, our countdown continues. By the way, 100 teams in 100 days is coming up next. We go to the Pac-12 for that one. Jason's going to be excited about that one. That is team number 93. That is 93 on the countdown. So 86 days away from the actual start of college football season. By the way, we are now on the back half 
at least from uh, from the NFL. So we're definitely on the back half of college football. If you're an NFL fan, there have been 15 Sundays since the Super Bowl, and now there are 14 until the start of the NFL season. We are on the back half of the offseason for the NFL. Getting closer, inching ever so closer. 100 teams in 100 days when we come back. I'm Michael Borky. He's Brian Haydad. By the way, Jason Baker joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Favorites.com. 100 teams in 100 days is next. Don't go anywhere. On Super Talk Mississippi. Official and the reactions are predictable, and people uh, have no control of their emotions and the complete inability to think for themselves. What am I talking about? The SEC schedule for 2024 is official. It's eight games, and, and guess what? So it, it is. It's going to be nine in 2025. So one extra year. How dare they? Those cowards! Uh, they're going to get more money. That's how they dare. But anyway, yeah, officially official. 2024 season will be 1 plus 7. We will find out, hey, Dad, uh, in two weeks what the schedule is going to be, right? Yes. On the 14th, the SEC Network will air a primetime special where they'll reveal the 2024 schedule. So I guess that's, well, I mean, heck, that's uh, two weeks from yesterday. Is that correct? Yeah. And according to Ross, they're going to... Uh, preserve the annual and less important rivalries because this is a one-off schedule. This isn't going to be rotating. That makes it's, sense. It's what they're making one schedule for 2024, one time, and then they're doing three plus six after that. Like again, you know what that says? earlier. Don't need to do it again. The reaction to this is bizarre. You know what that says? Screw you, Auburn. Playing all Alabama and Georgia next year. Get over it. And then you'll play them forever. You're always going to play Alabama and Georgia. So is Tennessee. We also got an update on the uh, event security factor. Each member institution will be expected to provide security around teams, staff, and officials. Barricades and ropes will be provided to help clear a path off the field and the court. So, hey, maybe they actually are going to let field storming continue to be a thing. We'll see. Just protect it more. Cool with that. But that is not what is important at this moment. No, it's not. What is? Who the games are going to be? supposed to hit the music. No, you're supposed to hit the music right there. Yeah, I kind of forgot, didn't I? It is time. Yeah, it is time. For 100 teams in 100 days. It's bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, one.
team number 93. What is widely considered the best party school in America? Arizona State. This is their fight song? I thought their fight song was Centerfold by Jay Giles Band. Apparently it's this. You should consider Arizona State. <laughs> so uh, their new coach, Kelly Dillingham, uh, I believe Kenny. knows. Kenny. Kenny, not Kelly. Kenny, 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 Kenny. Yeah. Am I God? The kid Kenny. I believe he actually knows what his mascot is. Uh, unlike his predecessor, <laughs> who learned that they were the devils in his press conference, apparently. Because, yeah, famously, when Herm was taking questions, a reporter introduced himself as John Smith from, what was it, Devil Illustrated? It was Devil's Digest. Devil's Digest, that's right. And Herm's response was, whoa, I don't want any devils around here. As he's taking the head coaching job for the Arizona State Sun Devils. Sun Devils. Yeah. Sun Devils aren't the real devil. It's it's fine. What is a Sun Devil? It is a... Uh, that's a good question. Because, you know, when you think about the devil, you automatically associate him with heat anyway. So... Uh, I don't it's know. not an animal or something like that. It is actually a weather phenomenon, also known as a whirlwind or dust devil. Apt for where they're located. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's not even satanic. Yeah. But they use the devil mascot. They they do. He's uh, maroon and gold. Sparky, are right? Their and color. Sparky. That's exactly right. Kenny Dillingham enters his first season at Arizona State. He's kind of a journeyman. Uh, coached high school football in Arizona. He's from Arizona, went to Arizona State, coached uh, some high school football while he was in college, by the way. Uh, was a GA at Arizona State, then a GA at Memphis, then a quarterback coach at Memphis, then the offensive coordinator at Memphis starting in 2018. Then he was Bo Nix's offensive coordinator at Auburn in 2019, where Bo Nix, up until, wait for it, he transferred to Oregon to play for Dillingham again, had his best season. Then he went to Florida State with Mike Norvell for two years. Then he went to Oregon, where Bo Nix was unleashed and had a really good season. And then he's back home at Arizona State. Good hire for them. Really good offensive coach. Yeah. Yeah. And young. I mean, you know, he's only, what, 33, I think? 33, yeah. So you're talking about a guy that, you know, you've you've just brought in an alum who's super young, you would think if he's successful, he'll be there for a long time. You know, Now, I don't know if Arizona State suffers from the Mississippi State problem where their alums just can't wait to get away, but we'll have to see. Who's going to play quarterback at Arizona State? That's always the big question because everybody focuses on the most important position on the field. We already know at least one that is going to be there because of recruiting drama. You remember the name Jaden Rashada. And, and his recruitment and the disaster that his recruitment was. Remember, he was interested in Ole Miss. And then Ole Miss was unwilling to provide what was being asked of them in NIL. Committed to you Miami. so far say unable. Nobody was able to provide that, I guess. I mean, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Committed to Miami, Including and then the that got weird, and then he signed with Florida for 13. 
$15 million until the collective at Florida decided, nope, we're not giving you that money. And somehow in that contract, they were able to do that legally. They signed a contract and didn't uphold their end of the contract, and that was totally fine per the contract. Bad negotiating for the $13 million quarterback. He got nothing. He hit the portal, got a waiver, went to Arizona State. It was a saga, to say the least. Also exposed Florida's bad NIL practices, but that's a conversation for another day. He's not the only transfer at Arizona State. You remember the name Drew Pine? I do. Notre Dame starting quarterback last year, Drew Pine, is in a three-way competition with Trenton Borguet, is what I'm going to go with. Apparently, Trenton here was named the starter for the spring. So not for the fall, but Dillingham said that he's the starter going into the spring, which is interesting because you don't play anybody in the spring. But that is now a three-way quarterback competition with no leader and nobody leaving. So if you think Ole Miss has an interesting quarterback deal on their hands, look at at Arizona State. There's three with no clear front runner, two of which are transfers after the spring. Pine transferred in December, I believe, or Shada in January, and then Borguet was already there. And I guess we'll see. Borguet. Yeah, maybe he's French. Borguet. Oh, man. Arizona State's schedule this year. friends with Petten Chatonier. Yeah. Arizona State's schedule this year. They open with Southern Utah, which is a school, apparently, on August 31st. Oklahoma State going to Arizona State in Week 2. There we go. That's a good quality game. That's juicy. A lot of offense in that game, I bet. Oh, you know it. Uh, Fresno State in Week 3. Take the over. Take the over for sure. USC going to Arizona State September 23rd. Ooh. Tasty. That's that's some early season fireworks for the Sun Devils. Yeah. Then they turn around and go to Cal. Then they have mm-hmm. Colorado and Coach Prime coming to town. What a home schedule that is so far for Arizona State. Oklahoma State, USC, and Coach Prime all before October 8th. Great home schedule. Yeah, you got to love that. Uh, they go to Washington, host Washington State. Go, the, the back end of their schedule is brutal. Now, they play USC and Oklahoma yeah. State in the front end. The back end's hard, too. Go to Washington. They have to go to Utah. They have to go to UCLA. They host Oregon and then finish out with Arizona. Ugh. For a Pac-12 schedule. What's the, what's the trophy? What's the what's the rivalry game? What's it called? No, no, don't look. Yes. Oh, I don't, don't know. Me. I don't know. It's the Territorial Cup. The Territorial Cup. What is the trophy? Oh, I have no idea. I just know that's what it's called. One day I'm going to ask you and Richard to name all of the rivalries. Like, I'll tell you what the rivalry is. It is an old-looking jug is what it is. It is, it, it looks like an antique. Nice. It's love, silver. Love a good trophy game. Yeah. Who leads that series? Uh. Okay, nobody cares about... The, the the fact that it's like that apparently it's for all sports. Arizona leads by five games. Very tight oh. series. Yeah, all sports is dumb. Football trophy games need yeah. to stay 
with football. Team number 93 is Arizona State. Who will the board key bring us tomorrow? We'll find out. We'll find out. We'll do famous alums and get to your text when we come back. can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Melting down over the schedule thing. I, I'm Michael Borky's Brian Haydad. The SEC is going to stay at eight games in 2024, and then they're going to go to nine in 2025, and people are losing it. I've seen it called a tremendous failure, an insult to the fans. I mean, innovation's good, change is good sometimes, but for for one more year. I mean, I think what people forget in this is that Oklahoma and Texas weren't supposed to be here till 2025 anyway. This is what was going to happen regardless. So they just add two more teams. It's just not that big a deal. But I think you know as well as I do that uh, complacency and calmness don't get clicks, drive ratings, yeah. and get people listening to your product. So, So that being said... This is an outrage. I mean, we could do that. I know of one host in particular in an SEC state a few over that's going to do that. He's going to, Greg Sankey is a coward and all that crap that all these people are spewing today with no rationality whatsoever. And, I mean, it's going to be fine. It would be remarkably stupid for the SEC to expand without getting more money from ESPN. It would just be a stupid thing to do. And they're not doing that. And they'll get more money, and they'll expand. And that's good business, and that's why they're on top of the sport. And these people that pretend like everybody's equal in college football are getting a really heavy dose of reality today. Because guess what's going to happen? The SEC is going to get another team, probably two, in the playoff again, and they're going to win it again. And... It's going to continue that way when it expands to 12. And the SEC is going to have more players draft. And they're going to have more teams make the 12-team playoff. And nothing is going to change for you. So melt away, I guess, on June 1st. But anyway. Famous alums from Arizona State, by the way. Team number 93. Oh, we got a lot. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel. Nick Nolte. David Spade. Linda Ronstadt. Linda Carter. Still gorgeous, by the way, at 71. Two chains? Uh, I'll give one more. One more that's worth Former uh, Supreme Court uh, Chief Justice William Rehnquist. All right. So I'm going with it. That's a good list. That's a, a, that's solid a very list. good list. Yeah. See, this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Guy that covers Iowa for the athletic. Teams playing 10 or more Power 5 opponents in 2023. The ACC, 10 of 15, counting Notre Dame. Big 10, 13 of 14. Big 12, 11 of 14. Pac-12, 10 of 12. SEC, 2 of 14. 
Whose fault is that? Nobody made them do that. Nobody. I'm, I'm, this is going to bother me all day. I'm, I'm glad there's a new episode of well, Dave. We've only got another hour of show, so, you know. Well, we're going to do something fun with uh, speaking of schedules, with some schedules this year uh, to start yeah. the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, somebody says, Al Michaels, try to avoid the sports people when we do the famous alum. Because uh, most of them are known, like Phil Mickelson's Arizona State, and most, I, yeah. I, I say most. James Harden. Yeah. Yeah. We tried to uh, avoid that. Jeff says it would be dumb to make an agreement before you know how much your TV partner is going to pay. I'm going to copy and paste that and tweet it, honestly. A happy first day of hurricane season, Kelso says, flying out the first system tomorrow. Be safe out there. If you guys don't listen every day, Kelso is actually a hurricane pilot. It's what he does for a living. And uh, be safe out there, my friend. King Biscuit says, even with eight games, look at the strength of schedule. How many more top 25 teams were from the SEC versus other conferences in the last polls? Jason, there's no amount of logic that you can apply to this that will get anybody that's losing their mind today to agree. It is what it is. 601-879-4395 is the text line. 601-879-4395 is the text line. Here's what we're going to do next. We're going to take uh, the last remaining division, Ole Miss and Mississippi State schedule, and we're going to rank it from easiest to most difficult games on the schedule, 14 through 1 for Mississippi State and Ole Miss. We'll do that coming up next. Question on the text line from Tyler. Is TJ McCants leaving Ole Miss a shocker? No uh, no, it is not. Um, I think it's more likely that he takes whatever team picks him up in the draft and just goes and has put his name in the transfer portal just as kind of like a fallback. But I, I hate saying this because of what he's been through. And also, I mean, he, he's had big moments at Ole Miss as well going through the tragedies that he's been through. Um Ole Miss is going to try to recruit over him. They were going to look for a a better bat in the lineup at that spot. So, phenomenal person and got a lot of talent as well. It's just not working at his current spot. Maybe a change of scenery will uh, unlock some of that because he deserves it. Uh, not only for what he's been through, but also who he is. Apparently a phenomenal kid. We'll do college football fix when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoon starting at 3 on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Two hours. Appreciate you guys being with us on this Thursday afternoon. I'm Michael Borkey's Brian Haydad. Glad that you are with us. Southern Miss will be done playing by this time tomorrow in their regional. If you missed it earlier, Jason Baker, who broadcasts Southern Miss games on television, joined us to preview it and talk about it. If you miss any of this show and you want to get it, commercial free by the way, uh, you can pull out your C Spire phone, and if you don't have a C Spire phone, you should go get a C Spire phone. But in the meantime, your smartphone 
has a podcast app on it. Pull out that podcast app, search Sports Talk Mississippi, and hit that subscribe button and never miss a minute of this show. Also, if you're a Mississippi State fan and you want all Bulldogs all the time, Thunder and Lightning. It's also a live show Wednesday night that one Richard Cross forgot to tease, but that's okay. Oh, my God. That duh. He's got jealous eyes, brother. Jealous eyes. I remember when I was switching places. I can't places. even look at him. It makes me sick to my stomach. When I was switching places here, it hit me. Mm-hmm. Richard didn't mention Thunder and Lightning once today. Oh, so so I'm when we get to the last segment on a, fi- on a Friday, on a Wednesday, I start wondering. You know, I'm sort of like, all right, well, we'll see what's happened. And so, I, as soon as he says good night, if you go back and watch the video feed, I do this. I go, I give him the, the double point and the smile. He caught it right before you cut the feed. And he immediately started to text me. I was already texting him the Lee Trevino gif from Happy Gilmore, where he's, Trevino's just like, just shaking his head, like, I can't believe that just happened. He was just like, dang it. So I got him. Yeah, it's, it's like a game. It is. So Thunder and Lightning, if you want all Ole Miss Rebel Report, pull out that same C Spire phone. Or, again, if you don't have a C Spire phone, go get one. But in the meantime, pull out that podcast app, search Rebel Report, and Eagle Hour for you Southern Miss fans as well. Got a ton of sports offerings here. They are all just doing uh, – our audience is, is awesome, and we thank you for it. But we'd like it, like it to grow. So if you don't listen to those – Encourage you to do so. Speaking of, let's talk a little college football fix. Driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. I promise we're not going to do the schedule thing anymore, despite the meltdown from people that are not affiliated or cover the SEC. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Test drive an F-150 today. Richard's driving one probably right now been the best-selling truck in America for almost five decades. He loves it. You'll love it. You just got to go test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. So we're going to play a little game because, again, I am done talking about the meltdown. We're going to look at, we'll start with Mississippi State, and we're going to rank the schedule. Easiest game to most difficult game, 14 to 1. 14 to 1, easiest game to most difficult game, Let's start, obviously, with the easiest, and I i mean, no spoilers, but it's the first one. Yeah, for both teams. Yeah, it's it's the RFCS game. I mean, there's no question about it. For State of Southeast Louisiana and for Ole Miss, it'll be Mercer. So Mississippi State number 14 is South uh, Sela. Number 13 is... Uh, it's got to be Western Michigan for me. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know a ton about the Broncos, but a MAC team, a, a mid-tier MAC team, doesn't seem like it should present much of a challenge to an SEC team. So that's where I'm going to go. This one, at the risk of offending, oh. what's number twelve? Yeah, there's going to be offense taken, but there's just no way around it. I mean, you know. Uh, it, it's it's got to be uh, Southern Miss. Um, now I will say this: there's a big gap for me between Western Michigan and Southern Miss. There's a small gap for me between Southern Miss and Arizona. But a Sun Belt team 
I mean, I, try to strip it. Try to strip it down away from it's Southern Miss and Mississippi State, and there was a time when Southern Miss dominated that rivalry. You just have to look at it in terms of this is a Sun Belt team versus an SEC team. Nobody is going to make a prediction, especially in June, that the Sun Belt team would win. So I, yeah, it's Southern Miss. So then, go ahead and hey, go ahead and clip it, Co- Cloverleaf Mall. Go ahead and do it, buddy. I know that's how it's going to make you happy. That's what you got to do to get through life. Do what you got to do, my friend. Clip it out. Send it out. Maybe we'll copyright infringe you one of these days. You wouldn't do that. I'm a petty person. I'll do whatever I want. Okay. So, Selah, Western Michigan, 12 was USM, 11, Arizona. Arizona. This is going to be interesting for Ole Miss. Who's 10? Do you put an SEC team, do you put Vanderbilt below one of the non-conference games? That'll be interesting for the Rebels when you get to that. Uh, 10, this is where it's interesting, right? State doesn't really have... A it doesn't have a Vanderbilt, doesn't have Missouri on the schedule. Right. It's probably Kentucky. I think it's Kentucky at home. Yeah. States had a lot of success against Kentucky at home over the last, you know, decade plus. Um and you know, I yeah, I got a lot of questions about Kentucky. Especially if Devin Leary can't stay healthy. He had trouble doing that at North Carolina State. If he's not healthy, I don't I don't like that Kentucky team at all. Okay, number nine. I think I know where you're going, but I'm going to let you go there. Auburn. Auburn. Okay, I was going to say yeah. South Carolina is where I thought you were going. No, no, I think I, South Carolina, especially since that's on the road. Rat, I like Rattler better than I like Thorn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Auburn would be, would be my pick here as 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 the the ninth easiest game, and we're, we're kind of. Oh, the, the wording of this quick, makes it. You know. I said fourteen to one. I, I'm sorry. That, that's just me being yeah, dumb. Yeah. There's fourteen teams in the SEC. There's twelve games yeah, on the schedule. 12. twelve to one, right. not fourteen to one. My bad. Thank I, you. I, I didn't catch it either. But when we say easiest, that, that's sort of a misnomer. Right? It's going to be a hard game. Yeah. It's not going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. So you have at Auburn at nine, and then is it South mm-hmm. Carolina at eight, or is it Arkansas at eight? It's Ole Miss. You have Ole Miss ahead of South Carolina in terms of difficulty, I assume, because Ole Miss is at home? Here we go. Hey, I made the Southern fans mad. Let's just go for the Ole Miss fans, too. It's at home. I just have a ton of questions about Ole Miss defensively. Like, I know Judkins and Dart are going to be really good, but are they going to be able to stop anybody? They couldn't last year, and this is a team that's going to run the football more this year. Ole Miss can't stop the run. So yeah, that that's that's I'm putting the rebels there. So Ole Miss is at eight. Who's at seven? Mm-hmm. That's where I'll go with South Carolina. Okay, I'll take them there. And then Arkansas at Arkansas. Mm-hmm. What about number five? Have I missed one? You? I don't think so. I feel. You so still have remaining. Five, you have LSU, Alabama at home, at Arkansas, at Texas A&M. Those are your last five. All right, and I just I just did Arkansas. Arkansas is at six. So oh, I, I'm still more. doing it wrong. You, I, I'm doing 14. I'm an idiot. Just just ignore me so a- I, after Arkansas. So I have four more? Yes. Okay. Uh, 
So I have, what do I have left? A&M, Alabama, LSU, and who else? A&M, Alabama, LSU, A&M. That's it. I have three left. Three left. Okay. At A&M. And not not that I necessarily think A&M is going to be I screwed this really whole good. thing up. I screwed it all up. Yeah, it's fine. 14-12. Oh, what an idiot. Yeah. I, I, not that I think A&M is especially good, as I laughed at Richard Cross about yesterday, but that being said, they, talent is definitely there. And of the four road games, that, that to me is probably the toughest. All right. Number two. And then it'll be LSU, LSU and then Alabama. LSU LSU is a, a game that state that series has become a lot more competitive. You know, and we went through twenty years where it was almost every year it was yeah. 35, 40 points. And since state won down there in fourteen, that series has become relatively competitive. And state's had some success in it. They they've won tw- three times, I think, in the last ten after not winning but once in the previous twenty two. So that game is at least a game where you can say, yeah, that's winnable. Alabama is just – State has scored a total of uh, 16 uh, – of, of 23 points in the last five games against Alabama. Ooh. I mean, everybody else in the conference has had a competitive game against Alabama in that time frame, except for Mississippi State. Yeah. Some teams have beaten them. Mississippi State has not even been competitive. So, you know, i got to see them, like, go into the fourth quarter and they're not down 30 – before I'll even consider that to be a competitive kind of game. So I, I screwed that whole segment up. I, yeah. Anyway, 12, okay. Selah, 11, Western Michigan, 10, Southern Miss, 9, Arizona, 8, Kentucky, 7, Auburn, 6, Ole Miss, 5, South Carolina, 4, Arkansas, 3, A&M, 2, LSU, 1, Alabama. That's correct. That, that's, that would be my order, yes. We will do Ole Miss when we come back at Sports Talk Mississippi. Text us, 601-879-4395. Schedule ranking when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. For you, hey, that said, you should put state at twelve for Ole Miss just to be spiteful, or that I, I guess no, he's I talking to you. He's talking to you. Yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna do that. No. Jeff says I think Southern Miss in Western Michigan played against each other. I think the spread would be something like Western Michigan minus three and a half. I, I don't necessarily agree with you, Jeff. No, I don't agree with that at all. Western Michigan was five and seven last year in the MAC. USM would beat them, I think, pretty easily. Another message: I don't think there's any offense taken. We need to prove we're better than Arizona, and quite frankly, there was a time where we would have been, but then we hired Ellis Johnson. The, the the collapse of Southern Miss football there from, from, from Fedora to Ellis Johnson, that deserves a 30-for-30. 30 30. Yeah. 
Southern Miss was this consistent winning football program for 30 years. And then all of a sudden, not only, I mean, it's one thing like if they had just gone 5 and 7, 4 and 8. They were 0 and 12. They were, they were legitimately maybe the worst team in college football. That was inexplicable. I would love to know more. I don't. I'm sure there's there's a lot of factors I don't know. Yeah. But I would like to know them. So, All right, let's jump into this Ole Miss Four game. Ole Miss, number 12, Mercer, even though it's going to be at 1 yeah. o'clock, so it's the most difficult game for fans because they don't matter. <laughs> uh, You're being punished, Ole Miss fans. Number 11, Louisiana Monroe. That is the week before the Egg Bowl at home. Number 10, Georgia Tech I have ahead of Tulane. It's at home. Now, that's fair. We'll see. Anyway, number nine, I do have at Tulane uh, easier than Vanderbilt. Uh, I guess I'm a homer. I really like Clark Lee, but that Vanderbilt team won a couple of SEC games a year ago, and they portaled well, and they returned a bunch of guys, including their quarterback. I I like Vanderbilt. I I think that that is going to be ultimately a more difficult test for Ole Miss than Tulane because of what Tulane lost. I know it's in New Orleans, but are are we really going to pretend that that's going to be a difficult place to go play when over half the stadium is going to be wearing red and it seats 30,000 people? I, I, I don't know. I just I don't buy that. I don't buy that game in the same way others do. And I think Vanderbilt's actually going to be a bowl team this year, so maybe that's clouding my judgment. Yeah. Seven, six, and five are where I'm really having a hard time. It's a combination of at Auburn, AM at home, Arkansas at home, where I can't figure out where to put them. And I think Auburn's roster is not ready to win games in the SEC consistently. But you know that's going to be a big time emotional game. You just you know it is, and it is at Jordan Hare. A and M's got the talent. I don't believe in them yet, the way Richard does. They've had the talent for years. No, not at all. I, I mean, I would like to see them beat Lane Kiffin first before I start talking yeah. about them in any different way. And then that Arkansas game's always been difficult for Ole Miss, but it is at home, and I'm not exactly a believer in Arkansas this year either. So that's a bunch of teams yeah. where I either don't think the roster's ready. I don't necessarily believe in them and they're at home, but one is difficult and emotional. I can't figure out where to rank those. Well, so you got to do it, so just say it. Auburn 7, 8, and, and 6, Arkansas 5. Fine. Totally acceptable. That's how, probably how I'd do it, too. Ole Miss has kind of had A&M's number. Arkansas has had Ole Miss's number for the most few years, so it makes sense to rank them ahead. Yeah. Egg Bowl number 4. And as always in that game. Take the over. Yeah. Egg Bowl number four. Egg Bowl number four on the road. That game's tight. It's just, it's your rival at the end of the year. I want to, on the road. The the, the question for the Egg Bowl for me this year is did Arnett figure Kiffin out? Because if he does it again, if State has another defensive performance like they had last year where they had, what, 17 tackles for loss against that Ole Miss running game that dominated everybody else, I'm going to just sit there and have to tell you that Arnett's just got his number. Yeah, something's going on there. So we'll see how that plays out. We got a long way to go. Number three, LSU at home, and then the last two are obvious: uh, the road trips to Tuscaloosa and to Athens. Georgia's number one for you, and then Georgia's number Alabama one. two. Alabama's two. Georgia. That's fair. 
Oh man, Ole Miss. This is this is why I'm not high on Ole Miss. Is the schedule, man? I, I predicted Ole Miss to go seven and five last year. They went eight and four. I missed the Kentucky game by an illegal shift penalty. And now you're going to swap out Kentucky for Georgia. I mean, I still think Ole Miss will lose to Alabama. They'll lose to LSU. They'll lose to uh, Arkansas. They'll lose to State, I think. And then just giving them a Georgia. loss to Arkansas, I don't think is necessarily fair, especially at home. I mean, right now, right now, as we sit here, I, I look at Arkansas and the way they manhandled Ole Miss last year, and they bring back a lot of that running attack. Yeah, I'm, and I, I, again, I don't know how much Ole Miss is going to be improved defensively. I think they'll be better coach, but I don't know if talent-wise they're where they want to be. We'll have to see. We'll find out pretty quick. I mean, it's yeah. at Alabama in week four uh, for yeah. uh, for Old Miss. So Ole there Miss you go. week four, State week five to play Alabama. Get Alabama out of the, out of the way. <laughs> Just get it out of your system. You know, that's not don't a, have to dread it for the whole year. That's not a bad idea. By the way, speaking of Texas A&M, and this this whole schedule deal. I don't know if you've seen this mm-hmm. back and forth between the ADs at Texas yes. and Texas A&M. Arguing through the media about where their first game against each other in over a decade will be played. Back and forth. These two schools make State and Ole Miss look like the best of friends. But they're, they're it's like it's, it's so, so petty. childish. Yes. Here's what I don't understand. The last time these two schools played each other, the game was at Texas A&M. Why would the next game not be at Texas? It's a Why great would it question. not? Like Ross Bjork did his little interview thing where he, he yeah. sat back and talked really slow and deliberate. And it's like, Ross, the last game was in College Station. So the next yeah. game should be in Austin. But what am why? I missing? No. And then, like, at the end of the day, just flip a coin. Just, just we put that on TV. If the SEC Network televised, had a thirty-minute build-up to the coin flip, Peter Burns and those guys, they have Bjork and Chris Del Conte on explaining the who they've got, you know, doing this, that, or the other, and, and then they flip the coin at the thirty-minute mark. You'd watch. Well, I'm glad you'd tune in for the last minute. I'm glad they finally figured out to do a schedule release when nothing else is going on in the middle of the week. At yeah. least they finally yeah. figured that out. In two weeks, that's going to be a fun night, man. Uh, Sit down. So that's interesting. That that'll be. I, I wonder if, if it's at six. I might have live reaction to it here on on Thunder and Lightning. If it's at six, that's kind of lame. Give, give me seven. Eight might be at seven, the and then I'll. Which means I'll have to delay the podcast. Got to be a long. I took to be a long day. I already know. But I'm glad they're finally embracing that. That's what we need. We need an unveiling of the yeah. schedule annually every year. Which we're not going to get because when they do three plus six, it'll be rotating and you'll know exactly who you're playing and when you're playing them, just like an NFL schedule every year. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be really fun here in a couple of weeks in the dead of summer with, with nothing else going on other than trying to figure out what new show just launched. Hopefully, talking about Southern Miss and Omaha. Yeah. I did see a great suggestion from David Ubbin from The Athletic who uh, he said, make them play at Texas Motor Speedway. Playing Heck in front of yeah. 150,000 or whatever it is. Yeah, let's do that. I'm down with that. Dan says make them play it in play Tuscaloosa. Play the Cowboys Stadium. No, Texas Ooh. A&M needs to be told yet again, like they were when Texas and Oklahoma joined the SEC, that you don't get to control things here, guys. So to really do your little is. finger points and say woo with your milkmen and shut up. 
It really is with Texas A&M. Like the, the the question of you know who do you think you are? Like who, you just yeah. feel, they just feel like they can dictate policy. It's like who who do you think you are? Yeah, and and then they're talking about how that that it's going to be LSU. That's their permanent opponent moving forward. Yeah, you're going to play Texas every year. You're going to. And how weak yeah. could you imagine? If, I guarantee they play Texas next year. I guarantee of course they will. And then it's going to go to three plus six, and they'll get Texas. And just that posturing makes you look weak and scared. Mm-hmm. I mean, lobbying to not play somebody who is your rival. If Zach Selman did that, I would spend every day on this show talking about what an embarrassment that is. But he wouldn't do that. Right. Trying to get out of playing your in-state rival is just so weak. But it makes sense because the football teams that they put on the field every year are weak. Woo! Or whatever they say. Hump it, Ags. That's what they say. Hump it. My my friend, old Bork, the good guy, the good Ag. Six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five is the text line. It's Sports Talk Mississippi on a Thursday. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. that with you. You do have sports on your TV tonight. Now, baseball gets started tomorrow. But if it's your thing, the NBA Finals tonight in Denver, Denver's a nine-point favorite over the scrappy underdog Miami Heat. Now, now before you tell me I'm crazy, hear me out. Because any time, which is rare, that that league gets brought up on this show, um... We get the same stuff. Oh, nobody plays defense. There's that kind of stuff all the time. If you are a sports fan and you don't watch much basketball because you long for the old days, this might actually be the matchup that you'd enjoy. This is an old days matchup, yes. This is an old days matchup. Miami and Denver are both very unique in the NBA world. There, There's no super teams or any garbage like that. Miami's got Jimmy Butler that two franchises didn't want, that no college out of high school wanted, and a bunch of dudes that are undrafted or second-round picks that are just scrappy, that play team basketball and great defense. And Jimmy Butler's story is awesome, by the way. They need to make a movie about him one day. He was a guy... So, if I remember the story correctly, uh, his dad left when he was very, very young. And his mom kicked him out of the house when he was 13. And he bounced around couches until high school. And ended up moving in with a teammate's family 
who had six kids, if I remember correctly, six kids, and brought him in because they found out that he had nowhere to go. And wasn't recruited at all in the Houston area out of high school. Nobody wanted him. Went to Tyler Community College in Tyler, Texas. Then got better, went to Marquette. Was a good, not great college player. But he was a great defender. Got picked number 30 and blossomed into a superstar. He, I mean, just the, the epitome of never give up on your dream because if you work hard enough, you'll end up getting it kind of guy. Uh, and he's fun to watch as well. I mean, I'm just relentless defender, can score at multiple different levels, and the team is well coached and, and all that. Spolster's a really good coach. On the other side, you have a superstar. When he was drafted in the second round, they didn't even show it during the draft. It was just a scroll on the bottom line. There was a Taco Bell commercial that aired during the Joker Niko Jokic's selection. They didn't even acknowledge it. He was that irrelevant from Serbia. And his game is so unique for a star because he averages a triple double in the playoffs, but he's not, he's not ball dominant. He's seven foot right. and he doesn't look like he should be playing basketball. He looks like he just drinks two liters all day and plays World of Warcraft. That's <laughs> what he looks like. There's no definition in him whatsoever. But we're going to go on a raid, friends. Let's go now. He is like fifty fifth in the league in shots per game taken. Something like that. And yet he averages, makes what he takes. He makes what he takes. His percentage is great. His shot selection is great. He's always looking to pass the basketball to other teammates. Let's put it this way. If you wanted to bet on him to lead the finals in assists, you would have to bet one million dollars to win five thousand dollars. Yeah. He's great player. And Jamal Murray had a yeah. massive Western Conference Finals and sort of is blossoming into a a superstar on his own right. Just a, I mean, we all saw that guy at Kentucky for a year. I thought he was going to be a really good NBA player, but he was dominant against the Lakers. So yeah, yeah, it's a good series. It, it should be a lot of fun. It's too. Really... Somebody's get, you're getting a first time champ. Well, not a first time champion, but uh, but because the Heat have obviously won it. But you're going to get. For Butler or the Joker, somebody is winning their first title here. Somebody's legacy is going to be cemented. Yeah. So it's good basketball teams, selfless basketball teams, well-coached, play defense. Uh, I'm telling you, if you haven't watched Jokic play, you, you got to. Uh, you, you just have to. He's a spectacle. It doesn't make sense. Uh, the The best passer in the league, possibly, standing at seven feet tall, who can shoot from the outside. That little fadeaway he does where where he pushes off his right foot and shoots with his right hand, uh, it, it's just I don't know how he makes shots. He, he's he's Dirk Nowitzki, but a better passer and bigger. It's how he plays. It, it, it'll be a fun series. If you're a sports fan, check he it hit, out tonight. He hit at least three three-pointers against the Lakers that I literally just threw my hands up in the air. I was like, what can you do? Like, off balance, falling away, Anthony Davis in his face, it goes in. I'm like, what can you do? So Yeah. Uh, we got this screenshot. I didn't know this, actually. So after Jimmy Butler's stint in junior college, when he blossomed a little bit and school started paying attention to him, uh, thanks to this texter uh, who sent this, apparently Mississippi State was in pursuit of him before he went to Marquette. 
I don't recall. I mean, that would have been the, the Stansberry era, so not not uh, not surprising that he would have been in on, on, on a top talent. Is this a real photo of Jimmy Butler wearing a Dak Mississippi State jersey walking into the arena? Is that real? Hmm. I mean, I guess. It looks real. Know. You know, people like to wear the throwbacks. Why not? That that would be cool, actually. Lonnie and Will say uh, both, yes, softball, the Women's College World Series. Uh, it's already going on today, but it's on tonight as well. If you're if you're looking for a uh, bat-hitting ball, there's another one. Will says, really cool atmosphere and the production quality of the broadcast is outstanding. Softball is really fun to watch. It's fast. It's a really fast game. Uh, hopefully somebody other than Oklahoma can win. You know, they're becoming UConn of the softball world. We'll see. I mean, it does feel like it, it's 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 kind of a foregone conclusion. But you never know. That's why they play the games. Somebody says Joker is in much better shape than he looks. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, his best basketball yeah. is late in the fourth quarter. And again, it doesn't make sense because physically he does not look like he, he should be able to play 42 minutes of NBA basketball. I mean, it, it, it's he is very, very unique in sports. Because, like, you look at Jordan, and Jordan looks like a, you know, he looks like a great basketball player. You you look at LeBron, and LeBron looks like he's supposed to be that. And you have that in every other sport as well. I mean, look at Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge, and they, they look like ball players, man. Aside from the height, the Joker does not look like <laughs> the best basketball player no. in the league right now. He looks like just any other Eastern European guy hanging out in a tracksuit, you know, smoking smoking a Marlboro. Yeah, and that's what his brothers look like. There was a there's an ad yeah. that's going viral in Serbia where I don't know what the painting's called. The the it's a guy who doesn't have any clothes on and he's pointing. You don't know what that painting is? I, I don't. I mean, no. That's on the Sistine Chapel. The Sistine Chapel. Michelangelo. That. Michelangelo. That's the creation of Adam. That's God and Adam Wait, is that, what that is. The, one of the Ninja Turtles was a painter? Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> but it's in no. Serbia, and they put his face on it. Uh, uh, yeah. Like, like a, a billboard. With, with Anyway. Um Good stuff. Kevin says, so you're saying we should watch the Women's College World Series? Yeah, man, if you're looking for something to watch tonight, check it out. You might uh, be surprised at how entertaining the softball product is. And by the way, more people, double the people, watch, generally speaking, the Women's College World Series than the Men's College World Series. Yeah. It's true. It is, it is true. true. It's, um, it, you know, there people have asked me privately, like, hey, why why is that? In part because there isn't an uber-popular Major League softball that is out there. This isn't the peak of baseball in the same way it is generally the peak of softball. So that, that, that hurts baseball a little bit as well. Because you have the Atlanta Braves playing this week. You know? It's, yeah. it's a little bit different. But still... And softball is more viewer friendly. It's, it, I mean, it's a game. They're over in two hours for the most part. You know, it's it's a little faster paced. You know, what we stopped hearing about by the way. No whistlers either. No whistlers. Uh, no more complaints about the clock rules in college baseball. No more. Yeah. It's, no, it's that, that, like, that rule worked. Yeah. It yeah. It's almost like the freakout was unwarranted. 
unrelated, did you see the video of the umpire getting in a Major League Baseball player's face the other day? It was an Astro. I can't remember who it was. Um, ball was outside, clearly outside. On the uh, the pitch tracker, it was outside. And all the player did was take two steps back. If you're on the text line, you probably know who I'm talking about. His name's escaping me, but took two steps back, looked at the umpire and said, that was outside my first at bat, or something like that. Step back into the box. The umpire gets in front of the player and gets in his face, face to face, and says something to the player. Like like aggressively, like, you don't talk to me like that or I'll run you. Gets in the player's face for saying, that was ball my first at bat. That's it. Didn't show him up, nothing. Just, hey, Blue, come on, man. That's it. Umpire got in his face and delayed the game to, to yell at the player. You got to find this video. I'll send it to you at the break if you want. But yeah, find it to me. I need it. I want to see it. Six year one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. Not overly right surprising. Not at all. Yeah. Fuck Mississippi. Oh what is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Appreciate the correction on the tech line, text line. It's Tyler Junior College, not Tyler Community College. New terminology is community college instead of junior college. Appreciate that. There you go. Jimmy Butler tonight. That umpire, by the way, got in the face of Jeremy Pena of the Houston Astros. And, uh, hey, Dad, I'm not a lip reader, but it's something like last at bat, that one was off. That's all he said. And the ump walks around the catcher to get in his face. It's just simply unacceptable. It's unacceptable. There's no reason. He should be fined and suspended. Speaking Will of, he be? Probably not. Probably not. No, nobody's going to address this. Speaking of things that are unacceptable, you guys remember last year the Mark Light shake when Ole Miss played in the Miami or, more oh. specifically, the Coral Gables Regional? Uh, Miami has got at their ballpark one of the more unique things in the sport. They have got a milkshake bar. And I think they keep, what is it, over two dozen different types of milkshakes always. And then when they host opponents, they make a specialty one to honor their opponent. Well, they do it for regionals as well. Here is the lineup this year for the Coral Gables Regional. They have Maine, Texas, and Louisiana. Here are the milkshakes that are going to be served at the regional this year. For Maine, Ooh, buddy. it's the Maine Butter Lobster. Vanilla milkshake mixed with butter topped with real lobster tail. I don't know how that's going to work. be honest with you. The Louisiana Tabasco of another vanilla milkshake. 
with Tabasco sauce and Cajun spices in the blend. Like a spicy ice cream is at least something I've heard of, right? I've, I've yeah. heard of people who make spicy ice cream. So, no crawfish tails in there? What are we doing? No crawfish tails. And the last the boudin? one. Come on. Mm. The Texas Barbecue Brisket Milkshake. Oh. Oh, come on. A vanilla milkshake topped with brisket mixed with barbecue sauce. All right. My first thought here, I'm going to be, like, generous here. My first thought is that should be, a, like, a chocolate or coffee milkshake. Right? A little darker, a little richer to go with brisket. That being said, brisket and ice cream, it sounds like one of the worst ideas I've ever heard. It, I, I don't know how I could eat that without without bringing it back up. There would be a reversal of fortune. I, I know. I wouldn't want any of those, but if I had to, if you were like, you have to have one, I'm going with the Louisiana one. I think I would go with Louisiana as well. Sue in Greenwood says, for a few drops of Tabasco on vanilla ice cream, it will taste like a tangy strawberry. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Robert says all sound gross. I'm with you, though. I, I feel like the Tabasco with the Cajun spices would be the least terrible. It's the least of it. Like the idea of meat in ice cream, chunks of meat, bothers me. I, I can't I can't get over that. And lobster. That's not yeah. When I when I when I go to the ice cream Sunday, when I go to Churn and Spoon up here, you know, and I, I get can I get some chocolate chips, a little caramel sauce, and uh some pulled pork. That's never happened, and they don't offer it. I think for a reason. Yeah. I mean, I have had a peanut butter and jelly cheeseburger before. Those blend of flavors are... a little aren't... different. Yeah. You know. That that works. But look, look, if the main component is the meat, and you're putting a little sweet thing on it, that's one thing. When you have a ice cream, and you're going to add meat to that... Meat is not an addition. Meat is the main thing. You know? Like, when you make a sandwich, the bread isn't the star. It's the meat. Yeah, no, I would not want any of those things. I None hate a bad bread-to-meat ratio. Absolutely hate a bad bread-to-meat ratio on a sandwich. Yeah, yeah, I think it's got to be right, yeah. Jason says it's either spectacular or gag-inducing. There is no in-between. Yeah. There's that's correct. There's the guaranteed that's correct, yes. We get a simple what's wrong with these people? It's like getting a well, shake with Miami. a hamburger uh from Leslie. What was the old miss one last year? I don't remember. Do you remember? It had to have a splash of bourbon, didn't it? Come on. It, it was something that was good though. It wasn't like they, they weren't like messing with old miss fans. It was like it was actually a good one. Uh, who I'm was it, find it where they had a buffalo wing in it last year? Who else was in that regional? It was Arizona, Ole Miss, and then... Oh, I don't remember. I guess Buffalo. Was it Buffalo? But yeah. anyway, they put a, a Buffalo wing with celery and carrots and blue cheese in, in the one. Yeah. Ole Miss had a little, should have had a little shot of uh, Makers in there. Yeah, something like that. A little lemon. Yeah. Put a nice little bow tie on the cup. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, appreciate you guys being with us on this Thursday. We will get to react to Southern Miss baseball and all the baseball going on tomorrow with you. We'll see you tomorrow at 3. You'll have a good night. Oh, it's incredible! 
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.